This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Oak Road Hatters Put In A Mixer, the only analytic show focusing exclusively on Luton Town. So, this week it's international break and I am your, your pilot and with me today, flying us uh, along with the Hatters across to all the international destinations they're playing in, is my co-pilot Andy Burgess. How are you getting on Burgess? Hi Ollie, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to, to uh tune over the last few town games. Um having a look at some goals and some some interesting footage. Um so yeah, looking forward to it, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um not liking the weather, waiting for spring. No. No. Yes, aren't we all? Yeah. Um well these haven't been regular pods because quite simply Luton haven't been scoring enough goals. Uh, we haven't got enough content to fill 40 minutes, mm-hmm. have we? But <laughs> bunch them all together. We've got lots of talking points yeah. now. Um, but before we we have a look at the Sheffield United goal, um, Burge, Luton Town have only scored more than one goal in their last 10 games. Um, it's all right squeaking out one nils and it shows a tight defence, but what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a few ways of looking at it, really. You know, first and foremost, listen, winning a game is winning a game. So whether you win it 7-0, whether you win it 2-1, 3-2, 4-3, 1-0, 2-0, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's three points. Um, yes, you know, there's an argument that it increases or decreases your, your goal difference, which can uh, give you an, added, an extra point come the end of the season. And I get that. But the big picture really is the fact that you're winning three points. So uh, I think you have to understand that, that, that I think it, I think it shows a certain type of team that have the ability to do it. And I don't think it has to be whilst obviously I think, Every fan likes to, to win games by three or four, at least score three or four goals, maybe, whether it's 3-1, 3-2, whatever, 4-1. It's nice to see goals. But I think the fact that you're winning games 1-0 tells you a lot about a team. I think it tells you you've got a good, decent character. I think you, you can you can play games in a different way. You can uh, score a goal and maybe hold on to it a little bit and defend maybe a little bit deeper and be a bit more pragmatic about the performance. Um I don't necessarily think that that has been the case. I, I, I think I think maybe it's just been a fact that, or, or been a been a theme that we just haven't really been able to get that second goal. And I don't think it's really been a, a mentality thing where we have scored and we've gone. Do you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drop into a low block or a mid block and we're gonna allow the opposition to come onto us more than we do because we do we do like to play on the counter at times. Um, 
So I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I just think it's maybe, uh, maybe a, maybe something that has come together by coincidence, if that's the right word, in the sense that, you know, all these games have been grouped together. We have one games, one nil. Uh, again, you know, I think we've created decent chances to go and win games two or three or be two or three up in games. Um, but I don't necessarily see it as a huge negative. You know, at the end of the day, like I say, it's three points and, and we've won them. Yes, of course. I think everybody, managers, staff, certainly supporters would like to have more of a cushion and like to be more comfortable because the, the danger is Sunderland happens and you're comfortable and you're in a game or Preston happens where you're comfortable and you're leading a game and you, you, you know, you're not looking, the opposition aren't looking like they're going to score and then all of a sudden, bang, both games, penalty, um, penalty against the runner play and penalty, which, you know, contentious decision from a, from a linesman or a referee and, and, and all of it, or a magnificent strike that can happen in the championship from 25, 30 yards or a bit of brilliance from somebody. So it's, uh, listen, whilst I'm saying it, it's three points and that's all that matters, I don't think it's it's a game plan. I don't think it's something that Rob Edwards and his staff or the players would would go out and say, do you know what, let's go and, let's go and get a 1-0 win here and be satisfied with that. Because as I say, it can change in a heartbeat. But uh, I, I definitely don't think it's the worst you know, the worst thing that you can become is a team that, that as you mentioned, grind out 1-0 results. Of course, as I say, being winning games by two or three and giving you that cushion, that comfortable uh, feeling heading towards the end of games is good. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a tactic that we win games 1-0. I just think it's a, a consequence of, uh, of maybe missing a few chances or, or, or maybe not creating as many clear-cut chances in games. And, uh, uh, hopefully, it's something that you know. If we we all have a few more nails for the uh, for the running. Yeah, as you say, like it's not always a case of grinding it out, uh, and and a lot of the games don't feel like they're being ground out. Um, no. Although we're coming onto a game where it did feel, it did feel like a bit of a nail biter. Um, we needed to, you know, sort of, you know, chomp down on our nails and prepare those those chairs for the squeaky bum time um, when we played second place Sheffield United whose whose form has dwindled as of late but again playing second place in the league where when you're playing catch up with anyone it's always going to be a tough one especially with the firepower that they have up top um, so Colton Morris scored in the 53rd minute and if you want to take us through that goal because it it was spectacular wasn't it I mean, the yeah, it was a good, not, not, yeah, it was, it, no, but, but it, you know, it's, it's good play. It's real good play. Um, as you say, you know, listen, you know, it, it was nail biting, but you know, we're going to Sheffield United. I think it was the biggest crowd the town have played in front of for a long, long time. Um, you know, if you're Sheffield United, I played at Bramall Lane, um, and the atmosphere and the way they get behind their team is phenomenal. And it's a, it's a tough, tough place to go. So make no bones about this. You know, this was a phenomenal result and the goal, um, as we show it here, we've spoken about three v threes and two v twos and one v ones all over the pitch, and this is another th uh, example of that. And it's can you get through that three v three? Can you be better? And we're bright, we're lively. Campbell gets a slightly a bit of luck there, and then it's can you put it through my legs? You know, I loved a nutmeg. I wish a defender marked me like that every game because that's the worst bit of defending ever. But he's he's executed it brilliantly. Now this is a bit that's good. Look at the defenders there. They'd say we've got Colton Morris sorted. And then for me, it's just, I want it more. You know, his arms across both of them. He's got his hand in one of their faces. He's got his body across the other. Then it's a case of find me, team, find me my strike partner. And it's, a, it's the slightest of touches. It's by half a yard. It's a brilliant ball by Elijah Adebayo. Uh, and Carl Amaris gets in. And it's, you know, I, I just think, again, and we, you know, we speak about this a lot on, on the pod. It's, it looks a fairly simple goal. We, we've got it in a 3v3. We've got it in a 3v3. Elijah's done a bit of brilliance to get through a 1v1 and then Carlton's got across the near post. But I just think if we look at it again, that, that that's in a, Sheffield United are in a decent defending position then and we're saying, and they're saying, break us down, get through us. So we've got to be bright. And I think the run from Adebayo, when he knocks it near to, to Campbell, again, running past him, Campbell does well to find him and then it's, Show us a bit of brilliance. Yes, it's awful defending, but if you teach someone how not to defend, that's it. Uh, but it's great execution, and then it's about that. And how many times again? The, and, and what's interesting of this is, 
is and, and there's another the, the the other goal there's another goal we're going to look at in a bit from one of the games and we often see and we're seeing loads at the minute of when it's either Dowerty or uh, Bell or on the other side uh, it might be uh, Drame when they're getting it with good possession and and uh, Elijah or, or Colton can see they're going to cross the ball in so often or more often than not we saw it like the QPR goal we've seen it number of the Preston goal one of them at least pulling off to the back post. One of them pulling off to the back post and getting the five yards away from the defender. What's interesting on this on this goal is that is that because of the position that Elijah Adebayo finds himself in, Carlton Morris doesn't look to get to that back post. And because it happens perhaps quite quickly, he, he knows that the position Adebayo is in, to drill it across the near post is the best thing to do. Um, so it's, it's a clever play from both of them. Real bright uh, uh, um, uh, ability and, and cleverness on the wing by, by Adebayo, and then the quality to find the ball uh, across to Carlton Morris. But then it's the tenacity, it's the physicality, it's the 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 the, the strength um, and a, an ability to get through two central defenders with ease, really, um, and then prod it home. It's it's just it's another type of goal for Carlton Morris. We see goals from twenty five, thirty yards. Volleys from from twelve yards, headers from 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 six yards, like we're going to see against Bristol City, seven eight yards from Bristol City, and then the ability now we're seeing to get across the near post. And again, we've spoken about it before. He is your your, your ultimate for me, championship all round centre forward who who can and has proven uh, that he can score every single type of goal. Yeah, I might have done that a disservice by saying it wasn't the best finish because now that we're about <laughs> the the run. The run to the front post, the physicality to get to the front of that queue, mm. and and the little deft touch just to turn it in ahead of Fodderingham because I've seen pictures mm. where Fodderingham's just there waiting with his hands out, expecting the yeah. ex- expecting the ball just to land. Um, but yeah, th- those legs from I think it was Fleck as well, just wide yeah. open. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so inviting, perfect. Um, but we had a bit of a scare after that. Um, the, the the XG numbers for the game weren't um, weren't overawing though. Um, Luton Town posted uh, an XG of 0.55, whereas Sheffield United posted an XG of 0. 0.70. Um, in all fairness, uh, the majority of that XG was generated after we'd scored. That was when they they became more threatening. Uh, and again, um, Ethan Horvath has has sort of stepped up after the little wobble. I'd call it a wobble against Millwall. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are your opinions on on his save that he made from, um, well, from Sheffield United? I believe it was uh, Egan, maybe. That yeah, I got him point blank. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Listen, he's. As you say, you know, he's had a difficult time against Millwall early on with the goal that went through his hands and you know, he'll be the first one to admit he should have saved it. But, you know, this is this is the life of a goalkeeper. And when we needed him to step up, you know, he's had a phenomenal amount of clean sheets this season. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's an international goalkeeper, um, although, you know, he doesn't play for, 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 for the United States, but he's in and around the squad. We know he's, you know, Villa have taken him as a, Somebody who they thought may be able to get 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 in the team, but we know he's got quality and he's got good pedigree. Um, you know, he, I think he's he's done. He's been he's had a decent back three in front of him all season, who defended really well. Decent team because we start our you know our, our centre forwards are you know are our first line of defence to, to to use the old adage. So you know he's fortunate he's playing in a good team, but you know at times he has made really real good saves. Um, you know, we're going to look at some clips of Tom Lockyer in a bit, and there's some there's some sort of additional bits of the clips that show saves Blackpool, for instance, where where he made some fantastic saves. So he's a he really is a real good shot stopper. And the save against Sheffield United, it's as good as a as, as good as a goal. Uh, you know, that's the best thing you can say about. It. And what you're looking for me in team in in successful teams, you're looking at a goalkeeper who can affect the result of a game. And I know that sounds simple, but you're looking for goalkeepers who at big moments can make big saves and I think he's that type I do think he, he'll always have a, a little bit of a clanger in him 
uh, maybe a lack of concentration or, or whatever it is. But I think he is a goalkeeper who makes big saves at big times, and uh, and that certainly was a big save against against Sheffield United, and and again was in, as important as the goal we've just seen from Carlton Morris. Yeah, to be fair, as you say, uh, any any goalkeeper can drop a clanger, and when you see the stats um, for um, goals prevented, and Ethan Horvath is quite uh, low down on that list. I believe last time I looked, it was negative 3.4 goals uh, prevented. Um, but then you look at someone like Rotherham's keeper, but obviously the stats um, favour those goalkeepers that face yeah. the shots, whereas yeah. our defence are very adept at you know limiting the amount of mm. shots that, that go through to, to Horvath. Um, so, Moving on to Deja Vu, another 1-0 win. Um, mm. Bristol City came to Kenilworth Road and um, I'd say Harry Cornick got a, a mild reception. Um, he got clapped off at the end of the game after, you know, putting in a sort of quiet performance, I would say. He had one shot on goal. Um, but we got the party started nice and early with Carlton Morris again popping up in the in the fourth minute with a goal. Yeah, and I think on the, on the Harry Cornet part, I think that's probably how it should be. You know, a player who comes back, you don't want to, you know, make him feel too welcome um, and, and boost his ego too much before he goes and plays against you. But then I think you should appreciate him uh, uh, when the game's finished. And I think that's what, what we did. As you say, he was quiet. I thought we dealt with him well. We didn't allow him really to get in any races with anybody, which is is obviously his main asset. So, listen, he was fantastic for us uh, the time he, he was with us. So, rightly, he got a, a decent ovation. But, yeah, I think the game, on the back of going to Bramall Lane and winning three points, I think that what is often said is when you go and make it or have when you go and have a good away win, um, it's important to follow it up with another result, with another win. Because, you know, go, go away to, to Bramall Lane, to Sheffield United, second in the league, and, and exert all that energy and that effort and play so well. And yes, road our luck, but to, to win the game there, to then come home against Bristol City and not get three points, it sort of feels, takes, the, takes the, 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 the gloss a little bit off the Sheffield United win. So it was important to, for me to get back-to-back wins and... Um, and it was a fabulous goal. It really was a fabulous goal. Um, if we see it, if we run it. Again, Adebayo's gone and pressed. We've won the ball high up. And, and here is the impressive thing. In a transition, um, we've, you know, it's a double transition and we've, we've just given it away and we've won it again. Our midfield three are in a real good triangle, uh, three in a real good triangle. And then this pass, for me, is a clever one because the obvious one to go to, to, to Campbell. But you've then got five players who are probably going to smash Campbell straight away, going to be on him straight away. So he's gone wide to Drame. Now, Drame waiting to, to cross this is so clever and so creditable to his quality because it's, it would have been so easy to slash it and, and hack at it. As it is, he's waited. I'll, I'll speak about the, the sort of positioning and movement of of um of Morris in a minute and the header is is absolutely first class but it you know it comes off the back of the cross and if I run it again um again the positioning of the whole forward part of the team if you like you've got three players in the box you've got your wing back nice and high and then you've got that triangle of midfielders um which looks fantastic and it's just pushed in squeezed in uh, it's a real good shape behind the ball again for me this pass is really clever and really bright by Ancamba um, people might say I'm doing him a bit of a, you know, giving him a bit too much credit, but I think it's a real good pass. He's waited. Uh, he's, as I said, Dram has waited for the cross, waited for the ball to drop. And then the position is what I'm talking about at Morris. He's, he's two or three yards off the back of the defender who can't see him. He's level with the back post. And he's saying, put it in here, hang it up, put it at the back stick for me and I'll win this. Defender's got too much to do. It's a magnificent cross uh, from Cody Drame, but it's a magnificent header as well. Because to get that much power from almost a standing start, it's almost a vertical jump. Um, the power, listen, the power is on the cross, is on the ball. And as I say, it's, it's a magnificent ball in from, from, that, from the wing back. Uh, but the header to direct it, and it's come very, very quick at him to direct it and get the power and head it down and make it difficult for the goalkeeper. It's a magnificent header. 
Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic goal. And, um, you know, great to see Drame getting a, an assist um, and another goal for, for, for our, for our leading marksman. And, um, and it was enough to win the game. And it was a goal really for me, good enough to win a game. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, really good. And, and, and as I say, the, the pass from the camber, I just think, and, it, and I might be giving him a bit too much credit in the sense that he saw that he saw Drame and just gave it to him. But I, I think, you know, I, I do think as he maybe have got his head up there and he may have seen Campbell briefly, and it's all done in a split second, he had five players converging on him. And as I've said all the time, and I say all the time, the best pass generally is forward into the centre forward's feet or into the, the forward player's feet. But it, for me, that was the right pass. Um, so credit where credit where you know it's due for me. It, and Camber isn't always the prettiest or the nicest on the eye in terms of his passing. He's been magnificent for us in terms of his his break up play and his position and his discipline. Uh, uh, you know, I think he's been an incredible signing. Uh, but that pass for me was 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 very very good. And uh, as I say, uh, the start of a of a very good goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's nice seeing the camber doing the business like higher up the pitch because you sort of think mm. of him as someone that sticks in his own half and just moves laterally. And uh, so it was really good to see that he can put his foot on it and, and pick out a pass. Um, it would have been interesting if the ball had gone straight through to Alan Campbell because mm. then it would have put Alan Campbell in, in a very difficult position, as you say, with five players bearing down on him. Mm. Um, he would have had to receive the ball with his back to goal, maybe done a 180 and, and had a snapshot, whereas the ball to Cody. And then if you can speak a bit more about the technique on Cody's pass, because that yeah, was sure. sublime. Yeah. I mean, if we run it again, I just, it's the, for me, the key is that he waited for it to drop a slight a bit because the key, if the ball's, if the ball's going up as he hits it, it continues to go up. So he has to he has to wait just a fraction of a second for it to just about stop or just about start to come down off the bounce, if you like. It's you know, listen, the ball into him is is, is lofted, so he's actually have that touch, and then it drop, and then it's just about to, to to drop, and he to to even then to be able to control it, uh, to be able to control it and keep it keep it on that sort of trajectory that it's on. Um, is is an incredible technique. It really is because he's the power he's got on it as well, and he's got a bit of swaz on it as well. He's sort of giving it a bit of fade, um, and it just it's a it's an absolutely top class uh, cross. Um, that listen, he made to look really really easy, but let me tell you, that is a really difficult technique, um, and hopefully that you know that would have given him a lot a lot a lot of confidence um, in his final ball. So yeah, I think that that. Delivery from from him was uh, was absolutely superb. Yeah, um, and and hopefully we we keep seeing him going strength to strength um, with Luton Town. He's been a, a very able replacement for James Bree. I think. Mm. I, I think I think he brings as much, if not more, than James Bree. And I'm not, you know, I know it's easy to say that because our player and Bree isn't anymore. But I just think he gives us a bit more legs and a bit more pace and. You know, don't get me wrong. James Breed's a fantastic player, and it's disappointing to see what's happened to him at Southampton. You know, not being in and around the team, but I just think he gives us that little bit more um, legs and energy up and down that right hand side. Um, but you know, um, long may it continue. Yeah. So the numbers for that game, um, interestingly, um, Bristol City didn't really create much. Um, Expected goals for Bristol City of 0.36. And Alex Scott was surprisingly quiet. Uh, He was sort of the danger man approaching the game. Luton Town in that game, expected goals of 2.28. 15 shots, six on target. So the momentum was heavily, heavily with, with Luton Town there. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, but then we, we in, a, in a kind of a packed schedule, going from the Wednesday to the Saturday, we make the long trip up to the northeast and we play a Sunderland team who are you know really trying their hardest to get into the playoffs after, you know, a promotion from League One. And it, it, was, a, it was a game where a lot of Luton Town fans were fancying another 1-0. Um, but it was a controversial game, which, uh, you know, we will discuss now. Um, but it started off quite well, um, although Sunderland hit the post. Uh, they didn't really threaten other than that because they, they haven't got any any strikers other than Joe Gelhart, who's not really a lone striker type player. Um, we went in 0-0 and then Doughty comes out in the 51st minute and scores a goal from quite a tidy set piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tough game. Listen, again, you know, like Sheffield United, although Sunderland down, obviously, uh, you know, at the heavy height, heavy heights of, of Sheffield United, it was always going to be a difficult place to go. There are fantastic set supporters up in Sunderland, very, very passionate and very get behind them. And although it's, you know, it's a difficult place in terms of being a Sunderland supporter at the minute, although they are, you know, a step closer to where they want to be. Um, it was always going to be a tough one. And I thought we, I thought it, it looked like the game was always there for the taking. I think if we improved our quality that little bit, that little sort of two, three percent, I thought we would have opened them up a little bit more and created a few more chances. I, you know, listen, I, I speak every week on, on this pod or, or every every episode on this pod and Lord, the two centre forwards, I think they're, and I still do, I think they're the, the best partnership in the, in, the, in the division. I think individually they bring so much, but I actually, I thought they were quite poor on, on the, in the first half of Sunderland. I thought a lot was breaking down with them. I thought Adebayo's uh, decision making of uh, taking too many touches was a little bit poor at times, um, and I thought I thought they I thought a lot was breaking down on them, uh, which you can't say that much about them, and I'm not being critical about them at all in, in the bigger picture. But I just I, I think Rob Edwards would have gone in at halftime and said we need that little bit more from the front two. Um, that's just my opinion, um, and I thought we got it second half. But yeah, coming out second half it, again, it was one of them where. The longer the game on, uh, the game went on. We would have probably been chasing it a little bit and becoming a little bit un- uh, unconventional in how we wanted to score. So it was important that we got uh, the goal early um, for me. Um, and it's an interesting one because for me, it's it's really clever from Darity. I'm not entirely sure that everybody was on the same wavelength of him doing this. I think some were. Obviously, Drame was looking at him. He knew it was going to happen. But if you see that, I think Osho perhaps does because he's got his arm across, he's stopping some coming out. But a lot of Sunderland players were coming out in front of the Luton players. Um, there was a lot of bodies in front of the keeper, in fairness, um, trying to give him a little bit of, of help on that. But just but what I mean is, I think if, if Berry, because that's Luke Berry in that hole, I think he gets in front maybe of his defender to stop him coming out. I think maybe we put a player close to the wall to stop them coming out if, if everybody knew this was going to happen. I might be wrong, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if sometimes that the, the players who are taking free kicks and the players that are shooting, sometimes they come up with things and the rest of the team won't know about it. They'll, they'll have a little chat with somebody and they might say, do you know what, we'll shift it here. Um, or even the, the coaching staff, because he ran to someone on the bench and jumped in the arms of someone on the bench It looked like they might have spoken about it. That could have well been the case, but that doesn't necessarily mean 
that the other players in the team, all of them would have been onto it because it doesn't defensively, everybody will be switched on when you're doing set piece and everybody will be clued up and everybody, because you might have to go and do another role because a substitute might come on and have to, it's defensively set pieces are so important that the whole team is switched on and the whole team is, is listening when it's being coached and the whole team is, um, is engaged in it and understand everybody else's role. When it's the flip of that and you're attacking, it's quite, you know, I know, and I've never been on Luton's training ground under Rob Edwards, so it might I might be wrong here, but it, it's not unusual for the players who are taking the set pieces, especially from an attacking point of view in a shooting position, to 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 do what they're trying to do differently. So it looked there just as if if Luke Berry knew that that was going to happen. I think he comes and stands in front of the Sunderland defender to block a bit like Osho is getting his arm across. Osho for me looked like he knew what was going to happen. Anyway. That's just my thought and a little point on that. But it was clever. It was it changed the angle really well. Um, it was a decent touch from Drame to allow a little bit of, of rollback. To it. listen, he didn't catch it sweetly. He didn't catch it. If we just roll it again, it wasn't the the, the best strike on his right on his left foot from from Alfie Doherty. But it it asked a question. That's what we can do. It was where they're defending there, and why I've put that caption. It, it's too deep really to cross. So it's it's a really good option. It's a good decision. Um, as I say, he's caught it okay, but there's one, two, three, four, five bodies in front of the goalkeeper there, uh, which would have obviously unsighted him. He probably was disappointed with it in the goal in the end. The goalkeeper I thought was okay there, goalkeeper, and one that potentially is a young goalkeeper. I forget his name now, but in the first half, I thought Anthony he did some Patterson. decent. Anthony Patterson. I thought he was maybe one that uh, w- would maybe interest us if, if things at the end of the season. But that was a, a separate point. But he'd be disappointed with that. But yeah. You know, a clever, clever step piece shifted the angle, and um, and again, as you say, it looked like it might have been another one nil to the town, but sadly, um, up steps um, the man in the middle. Yeah, and that, that's that. That is a case. It was uh, Scott Oldham's first game in the championship, and what what a game for him to you know make his championship debut in front in front of thirty seven thousand fans. Um, and it was, it was. I've seen this from all angles now. It was a disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful dive from uh, from Diallo. Mm-hmm. Would you ever do that, Burge, to win a pen? You can be honest here. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, listen, I don't. I, I wouldn't have done it. I, I think it's just I, it, like you say. I mean, it, listen. I, I, I get you have to you have to escalate referees and you have to put them in positions where they're uncomfortable and they've not been and they have to be in these situations. But thirty seven thousand in a team that against a team that is in the playoffs and the, and the game means something that's unnecessary. There's no need to put him in that position. Put him in a mid table team clash in front of ten thousand people, fifteen thousand. Yes, his referee doesn't say him a lot before in the league in League One and there was a an article that I tweeted that that Sunderland fans absolutely berated him after that game. Apparently, it was it was a shocking performance then. Um, but I think he's been hung out to dry because it, the game was obviously too big for him. Um, he was out of his depth. I, I said at half time, and you know, I said to in in to yourself or in the group, I think that the referee was dreadful. I thought he made dreadful decisions in the first half, um, and this is long before the big ones. I, I, I felt he. He, he made some crazy decisions. He he made he was so inconsistent and he was so, you know. And it wasn't just for Luton or just for Sunderland. It was just a, it was just a, he just looked out of his depth. Um, and and the penalty is just. I mean, the better angle is the one behind the goal. In fairness, because you can see he goes the opposite way. But people have said I've seen people say the linesman give it. If you look at the linesman, that the, the linesman hasn't given anything. You know, for the linesman to give a penalty, he has to raise his flag and put his put his flag across his chest. Now. Oh, they're definitely talking. I get they're talking. So neither of them, for me, there's no chance that either of them can conclude that it's a definite penalty. So they've both said it could be, it might be. And for me, the the, the, the disgraceful thing is the time it takes him to give it. Because if you're sure, if you're definite, you do not do this what the referee's done. Didn't give it. 
starts backing away. He starts walking away. He's obviously talking to the linesman who doesn't know. And then a good three, four, five seconds after, he gives the penalty. The lads jumped the other way. It's just It just makes absolutely zero uh, common sense, absolutely unjustifiable. And we won't get it justified because no one ever comes out and, and tells us what they're thinking or what they're doing. So, and it's just a, it's a diabolical decision that has, has absolutely killed us. Look, even if you look at the Sunderland players' uh, body language, if you look at the bot- one at the lad at the bottom of the screen, the 11, he sort of half put his hands up and then knows he's not going to get it and sort of puts his hand on it. There's no, if he thinks that's a penalty, he's running over to the referee. He's making, he's, he's put, he's, he's doing what Tom Lockyer is doing now and, and put, and going around. You know, they didn't, they were hoping, they were praying that the referee would pull them out of jail because I, I think that was probably like Preston. The only way they were going to get back into the game is a penalty. And the Preston one was a penalty. You know, Lockyer's hand was up. So I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is, you know, they needed help to get back into the game and they got it by somebody who hopefully won't be seen refereeing a Luton game for a long, long time yet. Can you imagine if he's refereeing the playoff final? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Do you I know think, what? It uh, wouldn't surprise yeah. you, would it? It wouldn't even surprise you. That's the scary thing about it. Um, you know, and this, for me, you just wonder what he's being told after the game. You know, is he being told the truth? Is he being told, you know what? Uh, you know, I can understand why you've given it. Or, you know, when I was, when I was, and I just go off, the, the subject quickly. When I was at Mansfield, my, one of my roles was to uh, to grade the referee. I had to go and re- grade the referees. I had to go into the, the whole game system and put the report. Obviously, I spoke to the gaffer and the gaffer said, ask him about this, ask him about that. And in actual fact, every decision that we contested and you put the video against it and you submitted it, every decision that, that we put on that we contested, not every, 95%, of them, they came back and apologised. And it almost makes you feel worse. It almost makes you feel like, I'd rather you didn't say that. I'd rather you say, why did the referee give the decision? Give me something to not just say, yes, the referee made a mistake. Um, We have spoken to him about this because that's what he said. Come back and say, well, the referee thought this. The referee thought that. Uh, Because there's no accountability. There's no justification. And I'm sure... Luton, Rob Edwards and, and, and his staff and the players, certainly, you know, you saw them surround the referee at the final whistle and you fe- I fell for them, even if I wasn't a Luton fan and so much has been said on social media about how bad a decision it was. You know, it, it, and for me, the, the linesman didn't give it because the linesman's not flagged for it. The linesman thinks it's a penalty. He's putting his flag up and putting it across his chest like it's a penalty. So somehow they've come to a decision. Neither of them are sure. The referee's not sure because he's backed away. The linesman's not sure because he's not put his flag up. If they're not sure, how can they give a penalty? Beyond me. Yeah, and apologies do nothing. They're not going to give us the two points, and those those could have been two vital points come the end of the season, but I guess we won't know. Uh, hopefully it just unites the players and um, gives us a sort of siege mentality. Siege mentality, yeah, absolutely. Know, I was thinking that's that, what yeah. we need right now us against the FA, us against the EFL. Mm. They don't want us in the Prem. We're, we're going to do everything we can, get as many points on the board, try and go up anyway. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, the worst thing was, uh, after that um, after that penalty, we could have lost it because the momentum mm. swung completely yeah. the other way. Um, and it, it was nearly a loss. Ne- nearly left yeah. the stadium light with no points. Well, I think I think it, it it plays with people's emotions. I think it does, and you're so frustrated, and you're so you're so. Uh, I think it tells because people, the lads care, the players care. We've seen that about players who are playing in a Luton Town shirt over the last few seasons. They care and they give a damn, and that's brilliant to see. But you also means that emotionally, at times, it can be a, a tightrope, and emotionally, at times, they're so invested in it, and you can see Tom Lockyer, you know. If he'd have got another red card, I think he probably ha- had in his head, I can't get another red card for what happened in the previous game that I got uh, the red card. Because, you know, fair enough, he's learned from it and he should have done and he shouldn't have done in the first place. But I just think it, it proves it proves the lads care. I would say that it's something that Rob might be speaking to him about to say that when, some, when, when we have a trauma in a game, because Preston was similar in the sense that, 
Preston were in the ascendancy after they got that penalty with the same amount of time to go and we were back to the walls. I'd say it's a difficult thing because it's a mentality thing. So it's maybe not something that we can, you know, go out on the training pitch and work on and, and say, look, you know what? It's 1-1 with 10 minutes ago. We've conceded a goal late. You know, we need to get out of our heads that disappointment. and We now need to, to step back on it and take control of the game again. And it's, it's a really easy thing to say and it's a really easy thing to, 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 um, to talk about. But to put it into reality is a real difficult skill. And, a, and it might be something that, that we have to look at over the space of six months' time. It might be in six months' time where you go, do you know what? That happened at Sunderland and that happened at Preston and we finished 1-1. Tonight we've won 2-1 and because after we've conceded that goal, we've, we've mentally switched back on and we've gone and won the game. So I think that's something to consider over a period of time for Rob Edwards to be able to, to create a mentality where we're not disappointed, we're not too... Uh, emotionally involved in the game. And it, and I don't want to take that away from the players because he's brilliant. And we know as fans that we want our players emotionally involved in the game and we want them to care. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than seeing players after that game absolutely dis dis distraught because we've not won three points. As a fan, it's magnificent to see because it means they care. And whatever anybody says, not all players care about a football club or, or winning three points that they play for. So... It's a, it's a fine line um, and I don't want to say that we need to take away that emotion, but I say we have to, we have to manage that emotion in a, in a way. And that's, you know, that's a, an interesting thing for Rob Edwards to try and, um, to try and create in the squad uh, that, 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 positive mind, my, uh, that positive mind frame of mind after we've conceded a, a disappointment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's fairly obvious that the players care and we haven't got the most fancied squads, I would say, on paper. They're not players that are paid, well, let's say the, the average uh, wage in the championship is 15k a week. Um, we operate a average salary cap of, of 6k a week. So we're not really a fancy team. And, and we're, we're in the playoff positions and, and a lot must be on the line for these players with regards to contracts and, and bonuses and other performance associated fees and whatnot and um, so we're going to go on to a player focus of, of one player in particular who's been a candidate for player of the season and that's Tom Lockyer who by all accounts and rumours um, I, I hope it's not true it's likely that he's out of contract but he's been a player this season, hasn't he, Burge? Yeah, yeah. I've read early. I've read uh, where you know that he's out of contract in the summer. I think it's probably a conversation that the club have. Well, I, I bet my bottom dollar that the club have had conversations about it. You know, it might just be that um, that he wants to explore the options, which is his, which is his prerogative. Um, see what's on the table. It might be that. That the, the the wage demands are a little bit apart or whatever. I think the club will understand how important he is. Um, but yeah, with it, listen for me, he's, he's in the in the in the top two. Him and Jordan Clark, uh, you know, Colton Morris as well. You'd have to throw in there as well. Those three, I think, have been the best performers this season consistently across the season, and they'd certainly be batting it out. And, and Tom Lockyer for me is somebody who's improved immensely at the football club. Um, you know, I think when he first came in, he wasn't even really a regular starter all the time. I think. He's, he's not only got himself as a regular starter, but he's, he's got himself the armband. There's lots of people saying he should be our regular captain. I think that's a little bit, uh, not disrespectful, but a little bit harsh on Sonny Bradley because he's been out of the team because of injuries. He probably would have played Sonny and he's, he's been a leader for this football club and he's, a, by all accounts, he's a good captain. What he does, he comes out and speaks and he, he looks like a, somebody who's well-respected. So, I think if Sonny Bradley left the football club, I think Tom Lockyer would be the natural replacement. But you know, I think he, he's that that shows that 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 how much how much he's come on and how important he's been. And and he's just uh, for me, he is a magnificent leader and a magnificent uh, or or a real typical central defender in terms of how he's he headers. You know, I was going through his clips and when I was clipping these, and he heads so many balls in the middle of the goal. And, and uh, you know, his positional sense is fantastic. He's a Wales international. He went to a World Cup. He's at the top of his game. And listen, if he is saying to the football club, do you know what? Thanks for the offer of the contract. I'm not going to sign it yet because I want to see what's out there. You can't blame him. 
same as as we spoke about Naismith and and people like uh, you know Harry Corner. But I I, I I just feel like you know James Collins went and, and got listen he got good money at Cardiff and and similar situation. So we know that's sort of the model that the clubs follow. These type of players who are coming towards the end of the career come to Luton do brilliantly well. Other clubs say, do you know what you know we can you know, he can come and do it for us and it doesn't quite work out because I think the James Collins and Tom Lockyers who are big fish in a, in a smaller pond at Luton, if you like, uh, maybe go to a, a bigger pond and aren't those bigger fish, if you like. I don't know. It just, I think certain players are, are meant for certain clubs and I think Tom Lockyer, listen, you, you, when you see him, when you see Bristol Rovers fans talk about him, not so much Charlton because I don't think he had, a, he obviously got relegated there, but Bristol Rovers fans adore him. You know, and that doesn't happen for a lot of players, especially centre halves. You know, centre forwards, yes. You you know, you you score fifty goals in in a hundred games, and you're a legend. Not so much. So it shows what type of player he is. He's a heart on a sleeve. We saw them with a sending off. He's he's one of those type of players. So, but I just if you know, I, I've just clicked a few of his, his his things, and he's just always in the right place at the right time to block to throw himself. And this is what I mean by a proper centre half. When Naismith was playing centre half, that didn't happen. He wasn't that emergency defender that you need in the middle of the goal that threw their body in the, in the way of the goal that was just there. This one, he's just there. He's just there. He only moved three or four yards there, but he got himself in the middle of the goal and it let him and it, and it hit his body. Um, and I think it's easy to say, and it sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but again, middle of the goal, bang, I'm there and I'm in the way. And I think that is what he's, he's developed and he's got better at, but that is what he's really, really good at. Um, we know as well he loves a tackle sometimes he plays on the edge a little bit and some of these tackles are on the edge and maybe borderline I think one or two might be free kicks but that's what you want to see you know not go to ground all the time but go to ground when you need to go to ground that one well timed you know he's a physical defender um, he likes to go in and play, but he gets tight. Bang, bang! Look at that! It's, it's magnificent, and it's you know a free tra- another free transfer wins a free kick because he has a little bit of a scuffle off the ball. He's a horrible player. He's one of them. You look at him and think, I want him on my team. I don't want him elsewhere. Again, maybe tackle with the wrong foot. There, he's not orth- always the most orthodox, orthodox player um, or the most sort of technically gifted in terms of his tackling or his defending. But he gets the job done again. I think this is a free kick, but that's what you want—a local derby king captain going through the back of the centre forward and saying, all right, we didn't get the result. We'll at least talk about that the better. But that's what you want to see. Your centre arms being physical and going to be aggressive and, and and obviously coming through the back of players. This game, it was unbelievable. I was doing co-coms with Simon on this game at Blackpool, up at, up, at, up at Blackpool, and he was phenomenal. And this, into the last minute, and throwing your body on the line and one nil up and a scrappy game, blustery, cold, win, you know, winter's day in, on, on, in the, in the, on the northwest coast. And this is a, and you can just tell he loves doing this. And this is the difference. He enjoys doing this. This is what he wants. This is how he wants to play. He wants to play uh, straight on the floor, gets himself bang, smash, gets himself up another tackle. Is he staying on the floor? No, he doesn't. He reacts. He's on his toes. He's back in. He thinks, where can I be? Where's the best news? Where am I going now? On the line, headers off the line. Magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. He's, that, he's put in two, two blocks there that save goals. And this is, in, this is towards the last minute of a 1-0 away at Blackpool's say. Um, and they're as good as goals. Those blocks are as good as goals. This one, a few moments later, Blackpool absolutely knocking on the door. Comes in. Just his positioning, where he gets himself here. Bang, doesn't stand still. Gets himself back in the middle of the goal. He's our last defender. Bang, block. What a block. Magnificent. He's scampering on the floor, on his ass, across the blocking it, making it difficult. And and for me, you can't, you can't give somebody that. That isn't about developing somebody. That isn't about uh, telling someone to do that. That is about having the mentality that it's not happening. It's not happening. He's not scoring. Again, he's in here, middle of the goal. Bang, heading it out, reacting. And we get it out of the pitch, and we and we and and it, and, and uh, we go on and win the game one nil. Um, and he was magnificent that game. And, and and what I think, and when I talk about him improving, is that I think his play with the ball has got better. He's he's improved uh, in his passing. Um, I, I've only got one. I've only purposely just got one clip of this of a longer pass. But this is this is our standard, and he, and he does this a lot now. Middle of the pitch, he's playing centre of a three. Middle of the pitch, that's a magnificent. It's a bad touch, obviously. That's why we got rid of Bree. Um, but it's a it's a seventy yard pass to his toe, obviously to his toe. 
you know, um, and, and he does that week in, week out now, and he does it with ease. Um, and that's the best bit. And then I think the club tweeted this the, uh, the other day. This was Saturday up at, uh, up at Sunderland. Um, you know, who would have thought Tom Lockyer would be doing this? The, the Lockyer chop, driving out, maybe on a slightly heavy touch, but then the outside of the boot into the channel, magnificent. Um, and he looks like he's loving it at the minute. He looks like he's enjoying it. I think he likes being captain. I think he likes leading. He likes getting around the ref. You can see people coming around the ref and he's pushing them away and he's taking responsibility. And I think that's the big word with him. I think responsibility is huge with him. And he says, I'm the captain. I'm the center half. I'm the leader. I'll deal with it. I'll, ball come in the box. I'm not going to back away. I'm not going to allow anybody else to deal with it. I'm going to go and head it. I'm going to go and block it. I'm going to put my body on the line for this football club. Um, and I think, I think if we're in this division next season, we need to do as much as we can to keep him. If we go up, I think we need to do as much as we want to keep, we can to keep him because I think he deserves the opportunity. I think if we went up, I think it's a no brainer anyway for both sides that he'll stay because I think he'll, he'll want to stay in a football club. But I think, I think if, if, if whichever division we're in, I think we need to keep that type of player as much as we can. Not, listen, we won't. I'm not going to say, you know, we, we don't need to break our, our wage budget because we won't, because Gary Sweet won't. We know that. Um, but I just think he's somebody who's a, a real character, a real energizer around the group. I think that's why, listen, I'm not taken away from his ability. I think when Wales were looking for a centre after coming to their squad for the World Cup, I think his character and his energy would have been a reason he went ahead of somebody else, you know, because you need that around the group, especially when you're going away for three weeks to, to Dubai, you know, you, or, you know, you need that person in the group who's a good character. You don't need somebody who's not going to play like, like England take away Connor Cody a lot because he's that character, because he's a leader. You know, Steve Holland's come out and said at the world cup, he was the best player. and He didn't kick a ball just because around the group, he's such a good good person um, and Tom Lockyer looks like that and and I think you know I think every Luton fan would say uh, we, we want to try and do as much as we can to keep him and I think he's been fabulous this season So getting your, your final thoughts on, on, on Locks um, from from a, a former pro's perspective on it obviously money's changed the game's changed since, since you played at, at um, this is obviously the highest level that Tom Lockyer has played at. He played 285 games for Bristol Rovers. Uh, that, that's why he was he was such a cult hero there, because he, he signed for them when he was 15, made his debut at 15. But he's always moved on a free transfer, which is a bit of a red flag now that he's coming to the end of his contract. Do you, in, in your opinion, is it concerning that he might be looking further down the division to, to get that next contract. Yeah. Cause I think it'll get a bigger one than he'll get a Luton. Hmm. So At I least think he won't he, go he to might... Bristol city. Well, yeah, no, true. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. True. Yeah. It is a concern because I think it, and, and, and if he did that, if he left to go to a club, like, I don't know, uh, anybody, somebody else in Sunderland, you know, yeah, yeah Stoke. If, some, if someone said to him, you know, we'll give you 15 grand a week instead of six that you're on at Luton or being offered at Luton, there can be absolutely nobody who can say anything about it because, you know, what is he, 29? Is he 28, 29? Oh, I think he's 28, yeah. 28, 29. So he's, if he signs a two-year contract or a three-year contract on 15 grand a week, nobody can say anything to him. No, and so you can't criticise him for, for thinking about it. You can't criticise him for looking at it or considering it. Same as you couldn't James Collins, same as you couldn't Harry Cornock, same as you couldn't Matty Pearson, you know, all those type of players who Luton would have tried to keep hold of but couldn't because they got bigger offers elsewhere. Um, it, it would be a very, very, very uh, special individual who didn't care about money and, uh, you know, who who would consider not doing that so yes it's a concern because I think if you're a championship club who uh, know you're in the championship next season and need a centre half you're you're knocking on Tom Lockyer's agent's door 100% 100% because A because you know he ain't going to cost you a huge amount of money you know he's not he's not on a huge amount of money so he, he, you know he's going to probably well he will fit in your wage budget because Luton's is probably the least, lowest in the league 
B, because he's proven over the last two seasons that he can get you into the playoffs. And, and, and whatever number I'm on next, he's, he's a full international, Wales international, and and he ticks every single box in terms of character and personality. So, yeah, it's a concern. I, I think I think there, there probably wouldn't be a championship team in the country without the exception of Bristol City, and they'd probably try, who, mm. who probably hasn't contacted their agent and said, what's he thinking? What's he doing? What's his plans? And I think if you're his agent in a minute, uh, I think your probably phone's ringing off the hook. Yeah, it, it'd be a no-brainer for, for any team in the championship, potentially even lower half Premier League. I, I feel mm. he could do a job in the Premier League because mm. he's so instinctive, as you've shown, with, with his interceptions and tackles. But what I would say is that possession is nine-tenths of the law and you know, you'd like to think that Gary and, and Robert are in his ear, players are in his ear. You know, he, he obviously loves the club and, and, and you hope that the fans continue to show him the appreciation that we are showing him and he just feels that love. And, you know, I'm not saying money is a bill on end all, so it might be that, you know, he feels that, you know, the offer he gets or who, what the offers he get maybe is, you know, the offer that he gets to loot and the bit in the middle is negated by the fact that where we're at and what we can do. And I'm sure he will look at it and say, I want to get in the Premier League with Luton this season. And if that happens, I think he stays without any shadow of a doubt. Yeah, in my biased opinion, in terms of career development, what we're doing and what we have done over the over the, the term that he's been with us, it's a no-brainer to stick with us. Um, briefly moving on, I know you said you, you didn't want to talk about it, but the next game is versus them lot down the road. Mm. Um, so last game wasn't too great. We we heard all the, the ifs and buts from, from Nathan Jones following the last game about sickness bug. He wasn't apologetic to the fans. It, it, it had to be Gary Sweet that, that apologised to the fans for the performance. How do we win this game, in your opinion? Because last time... Watford were on a bad run of form and we were flying, seven unbeaten. And now, we're again, they're on a terrible run of form and we're flying. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always work out that way. No, I think we... Listen, I think it has to be horrible. I think Kenilworth Road has to be horrible. I think they have to come in and, and be uncomfortable. I think they've got players who are on a lot of money who believe they should be playing in the Premier League. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the game where James Collins scored the penalty. Um, you know, I was, Gary, Gary did me a favour and sneaked me in. And it felt like we, we bullied them. We bullied them. It, from the first kick, I'm, I'll always remember Elijah going up for a header and getting his arm across. And, I, and it felt like their centre arms felt, oh, I don't really fancy this. And that was about anybody in the ground. Although their, their, their board members were trying to make as much noise as possible. Um, I think we have to make it horrible. I think we have to be aggressive with them. I think we have to be in their faces and make it horrible and make it really, really uncomfortable. And then as I say every week, and as I say, then we have to get it into our centre forwards and we have to get crosses in the box and we have to make them uncomfortable and we have to rely on our, on our quality that we've got at the top end of the pitch. Uh, I, I don't think we have to take the emotion out of it. I think we have to make it into a local derby and make it, make it that, that environment that is is horrible for them, and I think if we do that, I think we can. You know, they're used to you know they're used to nice things a lot of their players and, and niceties and um, and 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 I just think we are we have to create an atmosphere that is uncomfortable for them. And I think I think if we score the first goal and the and the Kenilworth Road crowd get behind us, I think we'll I think we'll reverse the score from Vicarage Road. Do you think? A two-week break is good or bad going into this game? I think it is, like Rob Edwards said, it is what it is, so you take it. I, it you know, you, there's, there's not a lot of point in saying it's either good or bad. It's, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I think we've had a lot of games in a short amount of time. Um, and I also think Rob Edwards has not been a long time with the group, so um, in the grand scheme of things. So there's still probably a lot of things that Rob wants to introduce to the group. Uh, is it the right time to do it? Not on a grand scale, certainly not. Maybe a few little tweaks here and there, possibly. Um, 
but yeah, it is what it is. So let's embrace it and let's make it, make it a positive and let's make it a good thing that it's, you know, we've got a two week break, you know, one or two are away uh, with their national teams. One or two gives an opportunity to get back to fitness and, and swell the, swell the group a little bit. So yeah, listen, there's no point saying it's a bad thing. Let's use it as a good thing and, and make sure that, you know, come, come the match day um, that we're in the best shape pro- possible. We're refreshed, we're energized uh, and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Cheeky score prediction for the game. I've just, I've just said four nil Lewis. <laughs> I'll have whatever you're having. Um, I'll, I'll say, I'll say one nil. Two. <laughs> it won't, it's a loosen. It won't be a comfortable right, one nil though. <laughs> I'll take that now. I'll take your score line now. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it too. Um, well, bumper episode today, but that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, if you like this episode, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on Twitter at Hatter, Instagram Pod, YouTube Hatter, Facebook also at Hatter. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.